Good morning. Welcome to the early morning edition of the Common Thoughts of Christ, where we get our Bibles and our coffee out. We enjoy thoughts of the Lord Jesus and his word and his principles early in the morning. With this episode and the following episodes, I look forward to reviewing the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. After studying the Word of God for many years, I can say that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are very precious to me, and the reason being is that they have a message for today, the day that we live in, the dark days that are going on so fast right now. And it has been said that the way God has laid down the Scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and comparing those two, it's been said that the Old Testament is the pictures, and then as you get into the New Testament, then there's the writings. And so any good children's book will have both pictures and descriptions and writings and copy and such like that. And myself, I tend to enjoy looking at the pictures and the principles of God's Word in the Old Testament, but certainly at the same time, really, as Paul tells Timothy, to rightly divide the word of truth. And so we have to rightly divide the scriptures, and yet there are some beautiful pictures of God's principles that we can take out of the Old Testament. And particularly Ezra and Nehemiah, and just just to give a little background on Ezra and Nehemiah, God, what, about 1,500 years before Jehovah had taken the children of Israel called the Hebrews at that time out of Egypt and he brought them into the promised land the land flowing with milk and honey and he wanted a people for himself right and that's what he wanted he wanted to have a people for himself and they were in that land and you can read through the books of Samuel first and second Samuel and then on to first and second Kings you could also take up first and second Chronicles as well which overlays First and Second Kings, by the way, from a different perspective. But during that time, we find Israel in the course of a good 1,500 years or so really give themselves over to idolatry, and they were taken up with idolatry. And what's interesting about that is today, in the age we live in, we now have full-fledged idolatry as well. It comes in a little different format, but it still has idolatry. It is something that maybe the enemy has plugged a little electricity into it, but we still have idolatry. And don't get me wrong, I use all the electronic forms myself, but myself too can fail and really come around to possibly falling down before these things called idols. But getting back to the scriptures for just a moment here, we pick up in Ezra 1 is where we're going to pick up. But we find that the children of Israel, in fact, if you have your Bibles open, I certainly enjoy having my Bible open. I have my coffee here on the table as well. But if we have your Bible open, <clears throat> to turn back just to the sec- the end of the Second Chronicles book, the prior book. And I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read again. I'm going to go to verse 13 of Second Chronicles 36. And it says, and this is with regards to Zedekiah. We're talking the last king here of Judah. Now, just to give a little preface of this, 
as Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom, or ten tribes, and there was the southern kingdom, which is two tribes. Two tribes were Judah and Benjamin. Now, sometime before this, 50, 60 years, 70 years before, maybe 80 years before, we have the northern tribes, the ten tribes, were carried off by the country of Assyria. Interesting enough, those ten tribes had given themselves over to idolatry. And God said, enough of that. And so they got carried off by the Assyrians. And you can read about that earlier in Second Chronicles, or you could read about that back in, in the latter part of Second Kings to find out what God was doing with those ten tribes. Now we know today those ten tribes have been carried off, and we don't know where they are. Someday Jehovah will come back, and they will come to him and fall down at his feet, those ten tribes. But right now our focus is on the two tribes. Why the two tribes? The two tribes were given the place of worship, were they not? Judah, and particularly Jerusalem in Judah, was the place of God's worship. And so therefore, and obviously David was from the tribe of Judah as well. And so we find God is so forbearing, long-suffering with those two tribes and he pleaded with them and pleaded with them again. You can read it for yourself. And you find out that finally they get carried off in three separate waves. And they don't get carried off by Assyria, but they get carried off by Babylon. And you can get into our portion here in Second Chronicles 36. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the last king, Zedekiah, who had made him swear by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Verse 16. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy or no healing. Therefore he brought upon him the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age, for he gave them all into his hand." And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and all the, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. Now, verse 18, you might want to make a note of that. We're going to come back to that in later time. We're going to make a note of all those vessels. God has his ways, his purposes. And while he is going to discipline his people here, you're going to find that his holiness will be maintained, his integrity be maintained, and his judicialness is going to be maintained as well. But check out verse 18, make a note. We'll come back to it later. And they burnt the house of God, verse 19, and they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon. 
where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill threescore and ten years. Isn't that beautiful? God has his ways. He is so perfect. He loves his people, and yet at the same time, they despised him. They gave gave themselves over to idolatry. They didn't obey when God says to submit themselves to the king of Babylon. It says, going back to verse 13, they rebelled. They rebelled against what God had said. And you say, how do they know? You can go back to the book of Jeremiah. And we reference that, and God references that in verse 21, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah had made mention of that. And yet <clears throat> there was also an alternative purpose. So nice to see in God's ways, sometimes there's several things going on at once. Isn't that interesting to sit back and go, wow, this is going on, this purpose is going on, this purpose is going on, this purpose is going on. And so here we have God's purposes, number one, to bring his people out of idolatry and bring them into Babylon, take them captive. Number two is to give the land rest. They had not done what God had said with providing the land rest. Remember, every seventh year was to be a rest year for the land, and they didn't do that. And so here he says, all right, I'm going to get it all caught up. For 70 years, the land will be resting. And so it's interesting to see God's purposes moving in different ways in the same scenario. Now, let's look at the last two verses of Second Chronicles 36 here. Last two verses, because God's movements are so beautiful. Verse 22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. Interesting. So now, if we know our history on this, we remember, too, that the children of Israel were carried off into Babylon, and remember that you can read the first chapter of Daniel, in the first chapter of Daniel, there's a whole bunch of captive young men, right? <clears throat> young men, probably young women as well. And you can look at Esther as well. And we find that God carries all these ones, all these millions of people back into Babylon. And during the course of time, Nebuchadnezzar's reign goes on. You could read that in Daniel. And then we see <clears throat> probably his grandson come to light there, Belteshazzar as well. And eventually... It, his kingdom falls, the Babylonian kingdom falls. And it's such a striking thing because then God says, all right, I'm going to take one empire and move it out of the way. And certainly Daniel had got a prophecy on that, didn't he? You can read about it. You can read about the four successive kingdoms in Daniel. And the Babylonian kingdom was the first on deck. And what has happened here in God's ways is God has transferred the, the ruling in the world has transferred now from 
Israel to the Gentiles. And that's the transition that takes place. And from here on out throughout the scriptures, we're going to find the Gentiles now will be ruling the world and God will be using Gentiles. And so the Babylonian empire was the first empire up on deck, but yet it fell. And the next empire that came up were the Medes and the Persians. So the Medes and the Persians, again, you can read that overtaking in Daniel. You could see there that night what was going on. Daniel, by this time, was a very old man. And you could read there how the Medes and the Persians overran, overran Babylon that night. So that's the second kingdom. Then, of course, you'll read about the third and the fourth kingdoms. The third kingdom is the Greek empire, the Grecian empire. We don't read much about that in in Scripture, but you can certainly pick that up in secular history. And the fourth empire was Rome, right? And so when our Lord Jesus walks the earth uh, here some 400 years after our event here in Ezra and Nehemiah, 400, 450, 500 years later, why the Romans were ruling the earth at that time as well. So those are the four kingdoms there. But the first one on deck was Babylon. It had already come and gone. And now in our portion here, when we see now the Hebrews, or the Jews rather, or Jews, what does that mean? What does Jews mean, by the way? Jews means is referring to the two tribes, and it's very, we've got to be very particular about the language we use because it was a name given to those two tribes. Israel was a term that if you look into the prophets, you'll find that Israel, or another term would be Ephraim, Ephraim was one of the tribes, would refer to the ten tribes. And we have to look at things from the language of what Scripture has. And so the Jews were now given the opportunity, last verse of Second Chronicles 23, that King Cyrus says, anyone that wants to go up, he says, is welcome to go up, to go worship, to go worship and build me a house. I'm going to build God's house in Jerusalem. Who is there that would want to go up? Who is there that want to go up? Isn't that a beautiful question? Is that a question that we can maybe possibly land on today is to consider, do I want to go be where the Lord is? Is that of precious to me? Where is he? Where is the Lord today? Where is he meeting collectively? When, you know, I can sit here early in the morning and enjoy these thoughts and meditations that Christ would bring through his scriptures. But really, is there a place today that would be honoring and glorifying to him? And these Jews now have the opportunity, because you see there that God or Jehovah moved the king's heart. Isn't that beautiful? Move the king's heart. And he says, I'm going to go build that house. God has given me, and you can read about you can read about it in other places where Cyrus is very clear. Cyrus, the king of Persia, is very clear that God has shown him that there was to be his house rebuilt back in Jerusalem. And that was going to be the place that he had the privilege of raising up. Now, interesting enough, take a note of this. Take a note of this. One thing that we're going to find out, these Jews come out of here. Uh, this land, uh, this foreign land, is they lost the taste for idolatry. Lost the taste. And Cyrus was not into idolatry. And so that is what's interesting, is this Persian Empire comes along. They are not into idolatry, but yet Cyrus is looking to worship the one true God. I hope this has been enjoyable for us for a meditation early in the morning. I hope you've had your coffee warmed up, but your heart is warmed up as well. 
as we just take up in this these last two books, these last two historical books in the Old Testament, these two books are basically going to be the last historical account that we get in the Old Testament before the New Testament comes. So it's going to be enjoyable to see this. It's a time of failure. It's a time of failures, a time of small things. We're going to find the term remnant is going to be brought up as well. And so it's a beautiful thing to say, huh, interesting. Here's the people of God in that day, and here's the people of God today. There's God in that day with all the failure that man has, but yet God still has a purpose. And here we are, well over 2,000 years after the Lord has died, risen again. We're looking back for him to come back for us. And God is still the same. The Lord Jesus has been been revealed to us. The Father has been revealed to us, right? Lord Jesus brought the Father to us. We see that clearly in the Gospel of John. So we have a much better principle to privilege today, that is, to look at these things. But, oh, these principles here that we can read in the Old Testament are the same principles today, God's purposes and his principles. So with that, if you would like to jump over to commonthoughtsofchrist.com, you can leave a comment over there, and you can check out our Facebook page, Common Thoughts of Christ, over on YouTube, Common Thoughts of Christ as well. And with that, I look forward to taking up and continuing on in the book of Ezra next time.